Okay. Welcome to Foodcast. Thank you. Nice to be here, Shepard. <laughs> Today we have our guest here, over 11 experience, 11 years experience as a senior hospitality chef, Gary Connolly. Hello. How are you doing? What do you have for us? What's your weapon of choice today? I have a Chianti Rufina. Chianti <laughs> 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 Rufina. Oh, that's really good. Really good. All right. Gary, tell me how you become a chef. How, uh, how you got where you are today? Um, it all started when I finished school. I used to go um, stay with my grandmother. Yeah. And um, did you ever hear the program Ready, Steady, Cook? Yes. Will Thompson. I used to sit yeah. there every day after school watching him. And maybe since the age of 10, 11, I wanted to be a chef. And then everyone else wanted to be mechanics or electricians. <laughs> and of course, I chose the right path as a chef. And um, yeah, when I was 16, I got the chance to go into a restaurant. I wasn't being paid, you know, just going in on Saturdays. So I used my friends used to be going to the beach or playing football. And I was going in to peel... 120 kilos of potatoes <laughs> for free. <laughs> and um, now I started producing it for a summer. And then um, the guy said, Oh, look, you want to come back? Like, so I ended up going back to a local pub and um, I walked there. It smells nice. Yeah, nice. The collection. <laughs> yeah, one more. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went back there and I used to walk there ever since. Like, yo, all through school. So you started with 16. 16, yeah. So it was school Monday to Friday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday nights, I'd have my school books in one bag and I'd have my chef's uniform in the other. And straight after school, I'd be straight into work and work and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Whoa. I think towards the end, coming up to leaving cert, I think I was actually working 40 hours a week plus the leaving cert. 40 hours a week plus the leaving cert. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And that was your first restaurant? But yeah. And you stayed there for how long? Um, I was there 16, 17, 18, three and a half years. Three and a half, half years. years I was there for. And then after so that, that was your base. And then what, what kind of food they used to make there? Um, it would have been your kind of local pub, group, gastro kind of bar. You know, nothing fancy. Um, but um, it was nice. Like It was a good learning point, a good starting point. Like Yeah. I learned a lot from the chef there, Ray, he was like the second father to me. Still get on great with him, like, I think in all the times I've been walking, I've only ever walked with maybe six different head chefs over the years, you know, because I've got done a lot of yeah. back and forth. Yeah. This guy's calling me and then a few years later, this guy calls me. So I've always kind of stayed in a loop of chefs, which... Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Somewhat keeps it in your comfort zone, but also... Wait... Nice. Yeah. Also, um, <laughs> get the important part out first. It helped me to grow, you know. I mm, think nice wine. Each time I came back to a different head chef, they're kind of like, yeah. Whoa, how have you got so much better? Like, you know, and take little bits from each of them and learn. And I'm still great friends with them all, like, since. So, in, the, in that, that first one, you stay for four years. Uh, no, three to four years, you said, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and then after that, what what was the sec uh, second move for you? I was in um. See, that was a kind of uh, they had the contract for the pub, well, yeah. two or three different pubs, and then they lost the contracts because the publican was doing up his things, making them gastro bars. Yes. So I got on holidays. It was first holiday, gone away with my friends, like you know, just finished school, and um, 
two days before I went on holidays, we were told we're finished, no jobs for us anymore, made redundant. Oh, uh, yeah. And which year was that? Um, 2015, I think. Mm. Or 2013, in around that time. Just after the the end of the recession, let's yeah, say, yeah. Yeah, and um, I didn't care. I was just finished school. I had my money for the holidays. <laughs> That's all I cared. I was two weeks away from turning eight did so I was gone. And um, the day I came back from holidays, I got a phone call to go meet the guy to start back the same job and like just work <laughs> for a different company. Like so, no, that's good. I stayed there for another year and a half. Year and a half. And then I went back to the original head chef that I'd been under with Force Company. Like. And you went to work uh, with Irish Cuisine again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, that's when it was really Irish. It was a kind of touristy restaurant out in Dunleary. So it was your stews yeah. and coddles and proper Irish. Like, proper Irish <laughs> food, yeah. yeah. Just tourists or locals? Um, you'd have some locals, but like during the summer, 90% <coughs> is Americans. Oh, yeah. You, know, you could be sitting there wondering why there's nobody here, 10 to 9 on a coach pulls up <laughs> you're hammered one chef in the kitchen that's where I learned to deal with pressure there and like your organization is amazing yeah uh, so how how you learn who, who taught you that or is something in you um, no well at home I'm quite messy and lazy and <laughs> sloppy but when I go to work it's like when I put on the chef's voice it all changes yeah. like if I see a dirty counter I'm like have to clean it like can't have anything on there what I'm working with but like even in that restaurant O'Neill's that I walked in like I had this countertop to work on that was it that was cooking everything had to be done on that so if you weren't organised you're not getting food out oh yeah and I remember there was a dumb waiter down the hallway so you had to run for about 30 seconds with the plates placing the dumb waiter <laughs> like it was a chaotic restaurant but it taught you how to deal with pressure how to be organised and was my first senior role in the kitchen so it taught oh. me a lot <laughs> it was a lot of headaches was so. kind of like just put you in the deep end and you just yeah, yeah. I just crack on like. and after that you went to after that I moved to the maple tree maple tree Green. oh yeah yeah yeah. That, that, that was a good restaurant that's a good restaurant give the guys a little shout out there they'll probably enjoy that <laughs> yeah yeah no you need to tell them like oh look <laughs> look who's here now <laughs> No, um, have a great relationship with them guys. Um, I was only there for a year and a half, and I moved into contract catering. But my time there was brilliant. Like, but uh, what what kind of food they were doing at that time? Um, it was really kind of high end bistro food. Um, so a lot of fish. It was a fish and steak restaurant. Like, great. We could buy in any fish from black sole to your hake and prawn. Like whatever fish we bought it sold like we yeah specials every weekend buying whatever we wanted and customers were buying it we had like famous chefs coming in dining in the nice. restaurant regularly like you know which was great to see like you know because we we're all over it teacher man like we're cooking for him like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh no it was great like um stand the field for like you know pub restaurant i've never seen better and i've never had better since no that's good yeah. that's good and and in there, what you learned? What was your taking in the maple tree? What was the best thing you can say that what taught I'd me? Say what like you know, in the previous places, I'd learned me organization. You know, your basics, your hassles, <coughs> your getting ready, your prep, and then that's when I came in and kind of upped my standard of food so much. Like you know, I went from oh that'll do, get the food out to this has to be perfect. You know, from presentation, 
everything. And that's what they start to drive you with the, the, the part of like uh, going to events or in that stage in some somewhere there you start to get in events. In events, yeah, because I met a guy there, a good friend of mine, Keen, who yeah. started off and started working with him. He's someone like if you work with him, he's such an easy going guy, you know, he's great. Um but his emphasis is on presentation, making things look good, value for money, you know, everything has to be perfect on the plate and stuff. You know, he's such a good operator in that way. And um it was kind of the knowledge and experience of working with him and Phil and all the guys there that just pushed us all on that little bit more, like, you know. And I'd say that's the one place I've left where I'm like, I'm proud to work there. You know, I'm like, I walked there, I've done that. And the team you used to work there, they uh, you were still friends with them? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, a lot of them, best friends. And they still working around or like, uh, or yeah, yeah, just yeah. went? Some of them have their own companies, some of them... One of them isn't actually a chef even anymore, but you know, that's what the pandemic does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it lost a lot of bodies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I still talk to some of them weekly, daily, like, you know. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. And they're still progressing as well. Still progressing. Yeah, that's that's a good part, game. yes. Yeah. Yeah. The blimp didn't do anything to them, yeah? No, that was all gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, uh, after that, you said you went to uh, corporative catering. catering. Yeah. I, and uh, why you choose to go to corpor corporative catering? Because I was getting stage in my life where it was kind of like, you know, God, don't get see me friends. Yeah. I, like, had a girlfriend for years, and I was like, we haven't actually done anything apart from holidays. Like, you know, I think in the whole time I was... A chef from 16, I think I counted back like six weekends off in six years that weren't holidays. Like, you know, I was like, I need to enjoy myself a little bit. Yeah, I was starting yeah. to not fall out of love with food, but fall out of love with the job. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought, what am I going to do? I was starting looking at other industries and I was like, stage fright. You know, I was like, no, I yeah. don't think I want to leave. So give this a go. Like, it's something I've never done before. Yeah. It's something you need to do to progress as a chef is to learn the volume. So um, I took the leap and for the first time ever, I actually went out wow. on my own with no head chefs that I'd worked with before or nothing like, you know, just went out on the whim. First time applying for a job. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, how, how is applying for a job? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's difficult. I think I made up my mind on a Sunday and I think I had a job by the Wednesday. So, yeah, it was quite <laughs> easy. Oh, yeah, it was easy. Yeah, but going for interviews, I was like, I've never had an interview before. I was like, what do you say? What do you do? He's going to wear a suit. I was like, didn't know what to do. But, um, no, I enjoyed it. And I walked there, Colm, he's still a good friend of mine. Yeah. And um, I think Colm kind of made me mature a lot as a chef. Like, going in there as a sous chef, I was still a bit young you know when you're in the kitchen it's yeah yeah the crack it's but you away. start very young that's something yeah. we need to, to to put out there like you start very young yeah. so uh that, that's good the maturity comes with uh not not coming with but like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you know like you have the head in the right place right. so yes well you know going from the restaurants where kind of in the kitchen chefs know anything goes you can say mm -hmm. anything do anything <laughs> scream and shout and everything goes on behind closed doors but then going into contract catering, it's such a different environment. Like it's everything's peeled back, refined. You yes, know? yes. Like I remember getting shouted at as a kid. Like if I done something wrong in the kitchen, you're petrified in the corner, nearly crying. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then you go to contract catering, you see people like getting away more. They're like, they're like, wow, oh, this place is so much different. Like a different <laughs> industry altogether. But like, why don't we bring a, a um, a la carte chef for a catering? 
is an easy transaction, my my point of view. But when you get a, la, a catering chef to go to a la carte, it, it is basically impossible. Oh, yeah, I remember being at home. I'd be spending four or five hours of the evening like researching the next day's menu because I'd be like, "Where's this food? I've never cooked this before. What is it like?" <laughs> but that's in the yeah. catering, yeah? yeah, yeah. But after after you get the oh, you already had a Google in that stage, yeah. 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 So Chef Google, <laughs> Chef Google so is very good. good yes. Oh, yeah. But just trying to upscale everything to the sure quantity of what you needed. Like yeah. I remember seasoning something, you'd be seasoning dishes ten times trying to get them right, like, you know, because you're not used to Yeah, you put a pinch, you're not uh, like a handful, handful of <laughs> salt here. Yeah. And um though, that's what I struggled with really and ordering for the sure volume. Like you yeah. know, say you'd be like, Oh yeah, we need seventy kilo of beef and I'd be like, What how long are we ordering for? Like <laughs> <laughs> But um no it's and even like down to your brat pans, your pots are bigger, your pan yeah. like, apart from a stock pot in the kitchen you don't have anything that size in yeah. restaurants. But uh no restaurants is something I miss and it's something I've kept doing. The the restaurants you worked didn't didn't have much functions or hospitality. It was um, more like the, the the size was smaller, right? When I was in O'Neill's we used to do weddings um, yeah. on the weekends in, in Greystones. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were more smaller weddings you know, 70, 80 people so it wasn't massive catering but it was still weddings you'd be doing from the bride's breakfast that morning right up to the barbecue on the Sunday like you know so they used to keep us busy and then the Maple Tree we actually done a couple of weddings as well in there but that was more fine dining meal bite to eat type of place yeah um, my first place it's well known for funerals and stuff but you know <laughs> it's a carvery but you learn your nice skills when you have 150 people in the queue and they all want roast beef and your head's yeah. down for an hour and go. <laughs> Just carving. The knife's given up and you've got a new one and <laughs> blisters on your hand. <laughs> yeah, though, so have done functions, but it was only starting. I was only like touching the water. Like, you know, I hadn't jumped in yet. And the, the, what caught you in saying, like, I want to do hospitality, I want to go in that direction? Is uh, what attracted you more going to hospitality and like the, the finest part comparing with like a restaurant? Because I think hospitality kind of lets the chef bring out his personality in the contract catering. Because in contract catering, you know, there's your menu, you stick to your menu, your SOPs, yeah. everything has to be kind of standardized. Yeah. But when you're doing hospitality, it's like, they let the shackles off. Yeah. And you can bring out your personality and what you can put your own flair. Yeah, you can make the plate look how you want to make the plate. You know, you can dress it up, you can tone it down. That's where I like it. And you're kinda of in control. You're starting off blank plate. Where you're starting off your SOP. You have you're here starting off with the paper and you have to get to that plate in the picture. Yeah. And hospitality, I can do what I like, I can make it taste how I like. I can bring out Gary in the play. That's yeah. why I like hospitality. And like now, and the stage of your career, what's next for you? You want what are you seeing? Now, before going to that point, let let's bring you where you at. Like you start in the catering industry, yeah. uh, like corporate catering. For how long you're with them at this stage? Um, you know, Five, five years, years into it, so I've kind yeah. of been half and half, you know, yeah. restaurants. So, like now, if you need to choose between corporate catering and a la carte, which one is your heart? I would choose the a la carte catering, but with the corporate hours. <laughs> <That's me>. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you start. No, in... it's a la carte. Like, it's just. 
in a few years I'm going yeah. back in a la carte like yeah. it's something I think are you sure? yeah <laughs> it's something I think as a chef that's what chefs want to be like that's mm-hmm. what they want to do it's where they want to be it's there's a different like there's like a rush about it you know when you're Saturday night and the end of that Saturday night when you're on the floor your feet are crying you know your jacket's destroyed it's something like I want to do it again it's like coming out of a festival or a concert or something yeah. you know, it's like pure adrenaline like that's point in the service when it's 8 o'clock at night and you're reaching the peak and it's all about the crumble but like yeah. let's just pull it together and get through it and then you're like right let's go again tomorrow like you're saying these uh, you started mid to the 2000s in in the kitchen and you're saying about like the the, the experience you had compared with catering a corporate catering uh, that people shout and that energy you have inside there like basically is like is brutal yeah is uh, um, is is a violent uh, that atmosphere inside the kitchen but in the same time it's very exciting as you it said is, like so you being in the festival uh, what's the difference of culture you would say it's, uh, between them you think it's a lot different Um yeah I think there's there's a big gap between the two like you know right down to you get a contract in corporate catering you read the contract and you're like what am I getting where's this where's that you pitch up at a restaurant like right? you go you walk you know they ring you on a, your day off you get up you go in someone rings you in corporate catering you're kind of like oh no it's my day off you kind of get softer I think she has to get softer yeah. that's what I'm trying to get at like you lose that kind of bad boy chef attitude did you become soft um i think i'm a soft person anyway you know i kind of have a different management style to i wouldn't shout and roar. yeah 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 i'm kind of more put your arm around you have a crack we get on with it don't let it happen again type of guy like you know i don't believe in the old era of chefs as someone said in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah chef no chef i don't know chef yeah <laughs> Or no, but sometimes it's necessary. Yeah, sometimes it is. But I think nowadays it's more a last resort. Y- yes, Where I agree. Yes. Off, your counter isn't clean. It's buying that counter clean. Get that counter clean. Where now I think more, Gary, clean that counter. Yes, chef. Yeah. It's done. You know, it's a lot more tamed and calmed down. I, I think my, uh, at least my style, at the beginning, I'm very tough. Yeah. And then I mile down after. Yeah. Because uh, we, we have something uh, we say in Portuguese. And that's for family, yeah. Um, families, you know, like after you get like personal, is basically become shit. Yeah, yeah. like the things people just like ah whatever, yeah. you know. Like, but in the beginning, if you go hard in the beginning, uh, people appreciate better you in the long run. Yeah. When you I get used to that work, respect or lay down the mark or type yes, thing. they appreciate your uh, the way you treat them. Yeah. Uh, okay, I don't treat people bad. <laughs> uh, put it there I don't treat people bad uh, but like in the beginning if you start a little bit tougher uh, and just smile down afterwards they just appreciate what you're doing for them yeah. because they know what's bad so I always when I start with the guys I literally I don't talk to people yeah. uh, when I get in the kitchen much probably you know yeah. Uh, yeah. I just go there this 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 and uh, they don't know who I am yeah. so that yeah chef and just go if they don't say anything or like uh, Jack you know like, yeah. what <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> like just go and say what 
<laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Or yeah, chef. Yeah, chef. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, chef. <laughs> And then is there respect? It's yeah. the same like, oh, why you call me uh, by my name? You don't call me chef. Yeah. As I heard before, because you didn't deserve to be called chef. In the moment I see you're behaving as a chef, is you be a chef. Yeah. It's the same with the titles. I, I think we are all cooks. Doesn't matter the title I hold. Today I hold a executive chef title. Uh, tomorrow it could be going to a kitchen and say, I just want to peel onions, you know, and yeah. I will hold a coming chef title. But in the end of the day, we are cooks and we are all the same as you said. So there is no difference. If you walk out of the door, they don't know who I am or who you are. They don't care. So uh, we need to, th that's the way I think, but I, I, I think I need to be a little bit tough in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. need to be. But then you look, like you said about Jack, I'm like, that was me. Yeah, yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, that was me. So I understand where he is. They're trying to <laughs> don't make the mistakes I did type thing without getting screamed at. Mm -hmm. I used to work in a place uh, back in Brazil. It was a um, Friday night Italian restaurant. And was in the ground floor of 22-store building. So the, the fans were basically this high, yeah? <laughs> so I had to get inside the, there, and it was uh, my station was risotto. So uh, I had to make a risotto like crazy, and that's what sells the most there. Next to the grill here, in front of me had a massive pot with hot uh, boiling water for pastas, and there's a combi oven next. It was a, literally, it was an oven inside an oven, yeah? And... Loads of windows here in the left-hand side. The sun comes straight in. Sao Paulo, Brazil, man. <laughs> Summertime. 30 degrees outside. Inside it was like, it was illegal <laughs> to work <laughs> in that place. The, the canopies need to go 22 star up to actually suck the air yeah. out. So it was hot. Yeah. And I remember there, literally, in, uh, just I'm losing the, 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 the thought. Sorry. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah, I was in that place. The place was chaotic. The stress, the heat, the shout. And it was basically like that. Yeah, chef, no chef, and no chef. So the guys, like, beginning of my career, yeah, I was there. And the guys were there, like, CDP level or senior CDP. And they, we had, like, six kinds of basil in the fridge. So the fridge, the walking fridge was a distance about, like, 30 meters walking through corridors to get it literally in the car park because it was where the standing walking fridge could fit literally in the car park so they sent me there no lights inside no phones to go with lights i i used to go and get the package you just come back so the guys are just taking a piece in that that stage you know yeah. like uh going inside i find the left-handed uh, uh Teen opener or <laughs> salmon legs, salmon legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I used to run there and said, like, I found those basils. We asked for purple basil, and uh, that one is a little bit dark. <laughs> that, that that's just like dying. <laughs> I was like, Fuck. So go back and try to find that. So always have that that crack yeah. inside the kitchen uh, to earn the respect. Uh, I think I learned more about earn the respect when I used to work with Chinese. Uh, middle of 2000s, probably you remember, like now here in Dublin, yeah. everywhere you go, uh, you sneeze, there's a Brazilian here, yeah, now. <laughs> uh, Brazilians everywhere. It used to be the Chinese. I don't know if you recall, probably you were in your middle teens, teens yeah? yeah? And when I used to work with them, 
I got in the kitchen as a already like middle senior level. Nobody, no respect. Doesn't matter who was there. Like you could see there wasn't respect. You ask for something like, huh? Rolling the eyes, do the thing you ask, but like with the bare minimum effort to do it. And after a few years working with them, I noticed the things changing because they respect you for what you do. And basically like as a chef, uh, we have that a lot. Like as a chef, like in the kitchen, you need to earn your respect. And I think that was uh, when I, I moved back to fine dining, I start to realize that. Yeah. Like in fine dining, it's like you're there, you just swallow the, sorry, the language, the shit, because you know that experience you're going to have there take you anywhere. Yeah. And then you swallow the shit in that bullshit of like, oh, yeah, chef, no, chef, you know. We, you know, <laughs> instead of saying, yeah, chef, is like, we, chef. Like, we've, like, come on, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? But I, so after all that part you, you passed through, uh, you went to corporative catering. And uh, how was your journey Dream there? Corporate? Yeah. Um, I feel during COVID it got tough. I was kind of stuck in a rut, you know. Where I was walking went quiet, people from home, kind of going in every day and finding eight hours work, you know, it was like, am I going backwards, am I going forwards? Then I moved on to a different place within the same company, you know, I just said I needed to move, I need to be busy, I need to keep going forward. So I moved, um, I moved into production, um, which was completely different area of catering, production catering, it's um, more factory. You know, yeah, you're I wouldn't say even catering that. That no. would be just production. Yeah, it's just producing massive amounts of food. You're going home every day with sore hands, you know, and yeah, it's just a corporate catering is a volume. This is another scale. No, is that not a beast? It's like literally waiting. It's the next era when chefs are replaced by robots. That's basically how production catering gets more thing. That's all your robot. Like you know, just if you can hold a knife, you can do production catering. Yeah. That's the way it is. And then um, that was tough. You would say that. Yeah. That's the way I felt. It's it. not volume. It's just like you need to be fast. It's not about like hold an eye. It's about being fast. It's the different stages, you know. It, it's any catering. You start prepping, you start cooking, you present, your customer eats. Yeah. When you get into production, it's you start prepping, everything else, and then you get to just where you present, but you cool down, you package up. And it goes in the back of a truck. It like takes that whole experience of catering, you know, for the chef. What do you say, the pleasure? Yeah. You know, yeah. we make food for people to eat and enjoy. We don't do it for, like, chef isn't the job you do for a job. You don't mm -hmm. do it for a career. You do it because you love it. Well, some people. <laughs> <laughs> no. I do it for a career. <laughs> and, and, and of course, there's yeah. the part like uh, the enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, like, but like, yeah, it is a career, but we're not in it for the money. We're not in it for anything else. We're in it because we love the job. <laughs> I am in for the money. <laughs> <laughs> if I get the money, I'm going to get the money. The money comes after, I will yeah. tell you. You need to wait. It's after, yeah? yeah? Like, it's, it's like a party. And they say, it's after the party. But... <laughs> Is exactly like that. After the party, I said, where, where are they? <laughs> and then you end up like, where's my money? <laughs> no, but the production catering... Some stage will come, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the production catering just... Like, I enjoyed the time there. Love working yeah. in the place. But it just took that enjoyment out cooking for me. Like, there was no end product. 
Yeah. And it was today is done, tomorrow's a new day, and you do the exact same dishes again, the exact same way, exact same times. And the the crowd that you used to work with you there, like the other chefs, uh, did they have people there for years doing the same same no, kind of job? No, there was a new thing set up during COVID. So all right. We were literally all new, literally all waiting for like, oh, this is going to end, we're going to go back to normal. And it was just yeah. like, it's getting busier. <laughs> it's not <laughs> going back to normal yeah. yeah and um i kind of just took advice from a senior chef and yeah. kind of moved on and yeah and then you went back for normal catering yeah normal well, between brackets yeah, yes contract catering, yeah back then yeah and then then like that's it start to move to the hospitality where yeah. you you actually you're good at and yeah. like what you love to do and what what's the plan well what, what how the things are doing now like with the the world changing and all the changes happened uh do you think we'll go back to normal um i hope so i think it's 70 percent back like you know it's just a matter of taking the jump now and going back to normal like it's yeah. all there i'm ready to go <laughs> we're missing chefs trying to get back to where i was yeah but it's Full steam ahead. But but you think is getting harder now for the catering industry, because like there's no people, yeah, there's no people, there's no people, and they're so used to it, like everyone was that bit quiet during COVID. You know, it wasn't as busy, and yeah. I think now going back to it, even chefs that were at home that weren't working, they're like like two years out of a kitchen is a long time. Like you know, it's not like riding a bike. You, it's the pace you lose. That's why I still go yeah. in and work in restaurants every now and again just to keep up that pace and yeah. that drive I think you need it like um, that's what I think I think some chefs have gotten lazy being now yeah like I heard a time ago um, a guy saying uh, good times uh, good times make lazy people lazy people make hard times hard times make strong people Strong people make good times. It's like a, a circle. Yeah. Like I have to say, like in 2008, I think it was great to have a recession. I'll tell you the truth. It yeah. was amazing to have a recession. Uh, not really, but like in the sense of like the gastronomy world in Ireland. Because until then, like if you see all your chefs uh, in 2008, uh, until 2008, all let's say local or Irish people in the kitchen they would be seniors like executive chefs or head chefs above yeah. you wouldn't see anything below no. and the the gap was about 10 to 12 years so who was filling the gap was the foreigners coming to the country and filling that gap like I'm one of them yeah. and like now when you start to see it the senior positions it's, it's like kind of full circle change. Yeah, it's a mix and match. Yeah. Uh, in 2008, for me, it was good because I started to get young kids, young Irish kids coming to cook. And for me, it was great because, like, if I go and say, okay, I'm going to do a different shepherd's pie now or a cuddle or a Guinness stew. Yeah. Like, I was talking with Jeremy in another episode. He did a Guinness stew. Like, actually, he got the recipe from Jamie Oliver. First, he starts wrong. <laughs> he he got with the wrong person. He should have got. would have given a better one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like it's the same if as you see like yeah. now like if you're not Irish you can't change. Yeah. And that's what I was even saying to him like you need to have uh, you need to be the person 
and national, right nationality to change. If I go to Italian and say, look, I'm mezzo italiano and they're going to change a pizza now, they will say, you're not Italian, you can't do that. You need to be local to do that change. Yeah. And I think the evolution of food is done by locals because the memory, like for me, when you guys tell me about the ice cream Dan Leary with the 1999, yeah. man, that chocolate is brutal. <laughs> I, I, I just look and say, oh, I don't know why there's a queue going around oh, the no. block It's like that thing you have at home that is probably oh brutal, disgusted, but you love it every time you go back home. There's probably that one thing from your childhood. Has to be something. Well, the food there is quite good in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There's like, of course, we will have something like that. Uh, I can't, like, okay, I'm from Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo will be a different culture in in. Oh, like you have a mix of all countries in the world. Like a few days back, I was sitting with the client and the client brought some uh, sweets from Israel because they have an office in Israel. Yeah. So they brought the sweets and they said, oh, look, what do you think about that? And I start to eat that and I just like, oh my God, that's my childhood. And just eat and say, wow, that's amazing. And the other guys in the table, they start to try it. They were just literally looking for the bean <laughs> to spit out. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's something good. Uh, for me, it was good because I grew up because you have the mix of yeah. the races there in Sao Paulo. But uh, here, not really. No. You know, like and they try and say, well, well, it's the same. People, you have to force change on them. They don't like change. <laughs> like my dad, right? <laughs> My dad is 56, I think now, 57, he'll probably kill me, sorry. <laughs> uh, very young, Yeah, <laughs> come on. Um, but like, he didn't eat sprouts, Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Wouldn't eat them, up until, not Christmas gone, the one before. Really? Yeah, because I roasted them, put some crispy bacon on them, he's like, oh, I'll try one of them now. Right, you put bacon, bacon yeah, fat yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he didn't eat them for all his life. <laughs> And now he loves them. <laughs> oh my And God. That's like how hard it is to force change on Irish people. Like you're like they see something, I don't like it, I don't want it, I'm not trying it. But then when you force them to try it, it's like oh, I actually do like that. It's interesting what you're saying. It's like a culture is very difficult to understand. Like in Brazil, it's a very harsh country. Yeah. And people eat sweet and like it's sickening. The sweet yeah. is can be is very rich. You know, like I would not say sickening because I used to eat. Yeah. And uh, like we have a dessert that we call brigadeiro. Brigadeiro is condensed milk reduced with cocoa and butter. It's basically three ingredients: three spoons of butter, two spoons of cocoa. Next week, if you want to use it, yeah, next week is fine. <laughs> and you put a can of condensed milk and you reduce until come out of the bottom. And you put uh, making little balls and put confectionery. It's really nice, but it's as rich as fudge. Yeah, I'd say it's lying on the inside of your mouth, everything. Yeah. yeah, like if you give Brazilians a ball, like about five centimeters diameter, they will eat that and it's like, give me more. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I can't do that anymore. But um, I, I start to introduce that in my dishes uh, when I was doing fine dine and putting like a tiny, tiny, tiny balls, like four grams was the limit I could go. Yeah. Because a bowl, four grams, and four grams is tiny, it's about a centimeter diameter yeah? yeah so uh, people eat and say wow that's nice but if you eat more than that it's, it's just delicious. like it's too heavy too heavy yeah. so even in winter time you know don't get me wrong they eat their fudge everything you put all the things but like when you put that it's too rich and that's the part 
I don't understand. Like Brazilians, at least, uh, we don't understand when we come here, we force people to eat and they don't eat. Yeah. And then you see, like, Brazilians are in Ireland longer than Chinese and Indians. Because in the beginning of 90s, when the boom is starting, the Celtic Tiger, they start to, let's say, import the Brazilians <laughs> from Brazil to teach the butchers in Ireland how to butcher animals. I don't know if you heard, there is a town in Ireland, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's not Gori, it's Gorin, or whatever they call mm. in the uh, east, uh, west of Ireland. And literally 90% of the town is to speak just Portuguese. If you, even today, if you go there, you see signs on the, 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 the shops in Portuguese. And you look and say, whoa, I passed <laughs> one through there. And it's like, I think that's the town. <laughs> yeah, I'm back to Brazil. Yeah. And, uh, and like the Brazilians normally come here and they start to get their Irish friends and say, here, try this, try that. And people just, oh my God, no, it's delicious, but it's too rich. Yeah. And not just for dessert, for majority of the things. And I, I think you need to adapt the palate. Yeah. You need to adapt the palate. And that's something I, I, I learned. You need to adapt to introduce. But like Chinese and Indian, it's not they impose what they did. It's that what it came mild down when it came yeah. here. They toned it down to suit the palate. But like if you looked at the Irish palate back in the like 1990s, it was meat, two veg, sauce. There was no texture, yeah. nothing like, you know. Cook, boiled it. Everything. Shit of it, and that's it. Yes, yeah. yes. Like I make dinner for my granddad now on a Sunday. If his knife, I have to cook his veg separate. Like if his knife doesn't fall through the carrot without <laughs> just letting it go, it's not cooked. The carrot needs to be brown. <laughs> yeah, it's not cooked. He may as well have took it out of the ground and ate it raw. You know. That's yeah, 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 it. yeah. But um, that's all I love. I love cooking from family. Love cooking at home. Uh, what's your um, what's comfort food for you? Um, I kind of. For me, it's a Sunday dinner because everyone's around the table. It's the only meal where you get, or the barbecues during the summer. Yeah. But it's Ireland. We don't get many days to have a barbecue, to be fair. When the sun comes out, we have yeah. a barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, well, I often get pictures of, say, like I was away on holidays there a few weeks ago and the weather was lovely and my dad had a barbecue and sent me photos. The sausage was colored and white. <laughs> you know, that's their barbecue. <laughs> the Black. barbecue is born to them. You know, that way it's... <laughs> flavor I'm like no that's charcoal <laughs> <laughs> you, you you didn't burn that dad yeah. you cremate it <laughs> yeah but uh, like that's their attitude but then I make stuff and they're like oh it's so nice it's delicious you know mm -hmm. to them a barbecue is lash barbecue sauce on a cooker and when it's brown it's ready like you know to me it's yeah there's so many different flavors you can cross like from Asian you can Indian you could do yeah you know, anything and like um Barbecue, uh, like you said, it's Sunday uh, Sunday roast. What's your the best roast by Gary? Oh, has to be the roast beef. Roast beef. Be what beef. what kind of cut? Uh, I like the housekeepers. Yeah. Yeah. Some with a bit of fat, but not too much fat. You know, you could go sirloin, but then you're getting too fancy uh, for Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mom starts killing you when the bill gets too big. <laughs> <laughs> no, roast beef, some nice roast potatoes. My mom actually looks after them in the goose fat. It's the only thing she can do. Really. Uh. Yeah. Um, so, uh, your roast veg with honey. It's real fattening, kind of comfort yeah. food. Sleep on the chair after it, you know. <laughs> that's like <laughs> beef sweats yeah. in the chair. Oh my God, it hurts so much. Heavy. Yeah. And like, now go, going back to 
where we start because I think we start deviate yeah, a little. Yeah. Uh, so hospitality. <laughs> uh, going back to your standards and everything you do, like uh, how you uh, you envision Gary in five or ten years time now? How uh, like the the way you're going? Like you you're growing so fast. Like uh, th what I like to see in a CV just uh, a, a footprint on that is I like to see like people basically the time they start in the, in the bottom. Yeah. Because that's a solid ground. Like not too much, but not, not too little. Those days I see CVs like people spend six months as a coming chef and they are already CDP and it looks up. <laughs> go back to the uh, coming chef, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, but when I start to see, like you said, well, my first three years I was in the same place learning and going. For me, that's um, consistency. Is like I want to learn. I want to go. I want to see what I can do. And like after that, it's just a projection. Like uh, as I said about uh, salary or making money, I'll tell you the first, for me at least, I said for 10 years I worked for anyone else. I don't want to run a kitchen. After 80 years, people will start to tell me to run a kitchen. And I said, no, no. And then in that stage, for about six months, I was in the kitchen, uh, my first run, uh, I, I lead a kitchen. They send the head chefs, they do the tastings, everything, and they come to ask me, what do you think? I said, oh, fuck, no. Or uh, after they got the guy to come to work with me, I, I look, the guy come to ask me every five seconds what to do. And they start to notice he was my sous chef. And I look and say, you know what? Okay, you know, me, I, I'm available. Okay. Now you throw the money, I'm okay. fine. And then that, that was good. But uh, um, that was my vision. And always create visions. Do you have a vision for yourself? Um, obviously, I want to be a head chef. That's my next move. Yes. Yeah. Am I ready? I'm being told I'm ready, but I'm like, I'm the type of fella that has to know everything in and out before I leap at it. You know, I kind of have to be kicked out to yeah, take yeah. that jump there. Go, Gary. Like, you can do it. And yeah, I can do it. But I kind of, I like to know the ins and outs, what goes here, works. Like, any section I walk in the kitchen. I like to be the quickest or I like to be the most organized or, you know, every section of the kitchen I have to know and the place I'm in now, I think I have walked every section in the kitchen. Yeah. And now hospitality, it's only new because COVID's ending and I'm in there now and I'm a bit like casting guys, well, what, what happens here? Like, what do people be doing? But anything that's come at me so far, flying colors. But like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's difficult to get and say, mm, am I ready? Yeah. People telling you something is easy because telling is easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course you're ready. Yeah, yeah, you're ready. Go, 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 go. Because we need. And for me, it was like kind of slapping my face a few times. And I look and say, yeah, I think they're right. Yeah. But I, I, I had to feel that. I for, for us as a chef, we need to have our... I keep saying... We have lower self-esteem to be in the kitchen. <laughs> to be in the kitchen, you need to have low self-esteem because people will abuse you. Yeah. No, used to abuse you uh, and didn't pay for that, but okay. <laughs> so uh, now the, the self-esteem need to build up a little to go say, yes, I can do it. With the change now with COVID, with the shortage we are facing now. And as I said before, the example, like uh, um, good times make hard times. You know, like now I think we are in that, uh, that stage now of the hard time. 
next year probably we're gonna get a heat, a heated uh, a heat so, uh, around the world with a recession. Yeah. Ireland so far will not feel recession because it's Ireland. Um, that's a projection. Sorry, <laughs> me and geopolitics. Uh, but it's still like a, a people we will not find people to work. They don't want to work in the kitchen. You know, like for for the same money, I can be cleaning tables and become a zombie there. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't matter if you go to a kid and say, look, give me two years of your life. I, I teach you. I give you a profession. You get paid to become a chef and you value more in two years. But if you keep cleaning tables, in two you know, years, you'll be just um, cleaning tables. Cleaning tables. Uh, not like, even say titles, I but you know what I mean? We're different breeds nearly. Yeah. Look, I have a friend... He's an amazing cook. Anything he cooks, I'll be watching his Instagram. Be like, God, I love to cook like that. Yeah. You know, this is dinner at home. It looks amazing. Yeah. But like, yeah, he's a great cook. But it's putting them cooks into restaurants under the pressure. It's that that makes you a chef. That's what I think. Being able to yeah. cope under that pressure in the heat. Get a thicker skin. skin. Yeah. And like now, your vision. In five years' time, as you said, you want to be a head chef. And like, what kind of a head chef? <laughs> uh, no, no, it would be quicker. Yeah. Uh, like, I'll tell you, like, you're ready away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I would say it's see, just pushing the deep end yeah. the way you got in the beginning. Yeah. But like, uh, I would say you're already in that level. Yeah. But uh, what kind of a head chef you want in five years? You want to be running a restaurant? You want to be running a, a hotel hospitality or hospitality in general? I think what the next... Your own business? Career-wise, I think finish out contract catering get to the head chef level succeed at that and I've never done hotels so no no whoa never. whoa 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 anything. like I've cooked in stadiums I've cooked for presidents I've celebrities Bono like a name drop a few like I've cooked yeah. for them but like a hotel is something I've always just shied away for and I think that's to complete the CV and have the package whoa. that's where I have to go I spoil alert <laughs> it's a hybrid between <laughs> hospitality and, and, and a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's my next move because it's the only thing you can do to say I've done it all. I've worked in all aspects. Would you cope with the hours with your young family? Um, well, it's as the family grows, you know, that way, as my yeah, family yeah. gets older, that's when I'm kind of moving back into them. Yeah. Know? But like uh, you want to tick the box of yeah. hotel. Yeah. yeah. Say I've done it. Like, I'll try my hand at anything, like any yeah. job I can do, I'll do. You know, we'll be making notes on a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but like running a kitchen in a hotel? Uh, running a kitchen in a hotel. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, that's something I keep seeing a lot. Like, I, I have my hotel background. Yeah. I thought I had that tick in my bo uh, the boxes a couple of years ago. And uh, a few years back, a few years back, a year back, I went back to a hotel. And... Uh, Executive Sue. And I was there. And, okay. Fine. Yeah. But like he still like keep uh, hunting me back. Like uh, people calling me and asking about hospitality. Because they want to see more. More. Because they think hotel is different. But like uh, okay I had like uh, uh, in one of my experience was very strong in the hospitality. In, but it was catering. But the focus was fully hospitality from two people to 500 people and people just didn't realize that when they start to talk to me and say whoa you did that yeah 
<laughs> and like the place, the money was an uh, object there. Like in a radio of 500 meters of the place where uh, I was based, was in the college, uh, Royal College of Surgeons. Uh, you have a, at least, back then, tortons lost their stars now, yeah? They, they don't call tortons anymore. They had at least three to four Michelin stars around and they didn't care about money. Money for them wasn't a problem. They want the same food, but they didn't want to leave their desks, yeah. let, let's say like that, or their offices. And like you had like heads of state, prime ministers, ev everything in it. And that's what makes the difference. Like in your case now, you said, I want to go for a hotel. Which hotel you would like to go in? Um, for me, it has to be one with a golf course for a perks, you know. <laughs> it has to be some sort of perks that have a golf course. But... Um, if I was wanted one of the golf courses, it'd have to be probably K Club. K Club? Do you think they still in their A game? Um, no, but I think they're coming back into it. You know, they're starting to get yeah. Irish Open's like biggest tournament Do in Ireland. Ah, so uh, yeah, true, means, yes. You know, wealth with it. Yeah, yeah. So. Do, do you think the chefs can go there and play in the golf course? Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> you will, yeah. Where's the chef? I don't know. <laughs> Have a look in the golf course. Yeah, we'll I this much for you. No, I want to play golf. <laughs> yeah. I remember in the uh, Ritz Carlton, uh, instead of playing golf because they have the golf course there. Uh, and that, that, that's a good place for you. Yeah, I will tell is. you, it's really nice there. And now they call Paris Court. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful, beautiful there. Uh, we didn't have the, the, the you know, like, could go and play golf yeah. there, but I used to go there in the back of the gardens there to get the white garlic. Clean. Just uh, yeah, because you have the white garlic period. Because I don't know now how much they are charging for a kilo. It used to be fifty euros per kilo, and then we need to do like for the garden rooms the white garlic puree. So fifty euros per kilo. You, you, and you. Mm. Go, <laughs> yay! <laughs> Cutting uh, white garlic. Like on a skill trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you need to go back and do your prep, and you're like, ah, shut. Yeah. Why me? Uh, like now, I get the kids here, and like down the road here, we just live like next door to Eclo, and we get our uh, white garlic from there, and just like this tree. Oh man, the smell of it. Mm. I still have in the freezer. Oh, really? oh yeah! Because come the season, I, I harvest as much as I can. I go every weekend. I say, "Oh, you go for a walk." I get my Swiss knife, little bit bag, uh, some bags, take them, wash, dry, Ziploc bag, freezer. Yeah, I remember during COVID, we went away on a family holiday to Killarney, mm -hmm. and um, we booked this horse and cart thing around the park. He was telling you all the history about it. It was amazing. But at the start of it, he said, "That's a bay leaf tree." You know, just bay leaves there, Clarny yeah. bay leaf, and for the whole trip, I just like was like, we going back there, like you know, <laughs> branches, came home, dried them out, and like yeah. I still have my home in the press, like in a box. I still have here. I still have. I have here like uh, bay leaves. Uh, normally, I go around and start to see it. I had my garden when I move in, like a wide mint. Nice. And I started to do the gardening, fixing the garden because it looked like Jumanji inside there. And now, now they're gone. But like everywhere I go, I try to get that. Like rosemary, oh man, yeah. lavender. Uh, like I remember because I used to do short biscuits for one of the events in that place. I just 
in our CSI. Yeah. Uh, lavender short bis- uh, short uh, yeah short biscuits yeah shortbread. Shortbread, yes. Sorry, my English, <laughs> me foreigner, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started to do that because one of the guests came over. He, he likes this kind of stuff. And I did like the um, uh, seaweed and sea salt, whatever, from west of Ireland, whatever. And I had to get uh, lavender. I bought like literally three sticks, seven euros. <laughs> That's crazy. And I look and say, What? I plant now from home. <laughs> so if somebody one day come to me and say, we need to do that, I say, oh, give me give a little bit of time. I need to dehydrate them and then I go and do it. Uh, same like raspberries I have in the garden, blueberries I have in the gar- uh, garden, strawberries, they're not growing yet, but okay, I will not say anything about that. <laughs> the wife look after. But like all those small little things, you know, make such a difference. Yeah, such a difference. Do. Like we get a lot of fresh veg at home. My brother-in-law is um, well, he's not, but his family are farmers. Oh, nice! Yeah, in Dublin, like so, we get freshest and fresh. Wow, like, you know, like, uh, close to the airport there. Yeah, close. Yeah, to the yeah. Airport. Yeah, not too far. Yeah, everyone's so around there. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a luxury that you're not gonna get. Wow, you know, like you're getting fresh vegetables. Like you went to a supermarket, weeks old. Like you know that way. Yeah, so it's I had a friend of mine, uh, David. I hope he's uh, listening to that. He, he he is a small farmer in Gori. Oh man, his vegetables, the 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 freshness uh, is such a difference. Oh, it makes yeah. you know, like same with organic or anything of the kind. Like we used to have our allotment before the pandemic, and came the pandemic, we're just like. Whoop. And left the allotment. Um, like beetroot. Oh my God, man. The beetroot is simple thing. But I remember we had our beetroot, we start to harvest. We had more than we could. Okay, every week would be beetroot week. Uh, after two days eating beetroot, Florence, uh, my youngest, she, she was a couple of years old. So uh, she went to the potty and... <laughs> well, after that, I said, oh my God, we need to go to the hospital. Sheepy blood. And my wife, we had beetroot for dinner. Okay, panic is over. <laughs> no, like just uh, the richness of the product. I said, oh my God, I couldn't believe that. And yeah, yeah. So like the freshness of products makes such a difference. Yeah, it does. Like I have an aunt and I think nearly all of her vegetables come from her own back garden. Like, you know, they have a big back garden. Mm-hmm. They, that's all they do. They grow. And for me, it's something I don't have much knowledge on. But when you're going down there telling you how to grow it and you see it, it's like, this is amazing. It's so simple. Like uh, one plant of tomato, I'll tell you. Is no is enough tomatoes for your family and a little bit more. Oh I know, yeah, I've seen them. They take over. <laughs> oh yes. Like so much. Get so much like now raspberry we harvest two days ago. Uh, I already came uh, yesterday for the girls. Here, it's raspberry. <laughs> Breakfast. Put it here on top. Ah. <laughs> Next week is jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I already have to harvest. And now the blueberries today they they are about like three days away. By Friday I'm gonna harvest a good amount of blueberries. Blueberry is not my problem. Florence is literally like a river for blueberries. Oh, man. And like in the front garden here, I have two plants of hazelnut with truffles, uh, uh, fungus in the soil. But I never actually dig in to see if there's truffles in the soil. 
I probably should go there afterwards. Like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the truffles didn't uh, didn't come out yet. Uh, like because we moved to a small pot, I think it would not work oh. the, to infect the soil properly. But I probably should tr- go there. You know, like oh, let's have a look. <laughs> yeah. So those things, you know, like uh, fresh products and everything, makes such a difference. Like something I start to notice when I went to catering business, I went to um, a focus in food focus catering business when I got I got into catering because I was afraid of going there just opening packages and just yeah. you know like throwing food at people and they throwing money back. Um, so you, I start to notice the change. Uh, where how people start to get more food focus and understanding where the food come from. Do you think we start to go backwards in the sense of like eating locally than actually globally? Um, yeah, it kind of has, hasn't it? We are going mm-hmm. backwards, but if you look now, some of the local Irish producers, like what they're growing now is like products you couldn't even on a shelf in Ireland. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking, <laughs> Gary. You need to help me a little here. Yeah, no, it's, I think, like, lo- there's a big gap in the area for local producers now, though. Like, you know, it'd be a sea salt. Like, sea salt wouldn't have come from Ireland. It would have come from somewhere like Turkey or, yeah. you know, we're now someone down in Gary just making sea salt from yeah. free water. You know, things. This isn't even sitting there, yeah, yeah. But, like, um, yeah, no, we do need to kind of start expanding more palettes again. Like, you know, for me, I'd love to travel. That's my biggest thing is Italy. I want to travel through Italy. I worked with a chef whose wife was Italian. And the stuff I learned about Italian cooking was like five ingredients. That's what you used to tell me, five yeah. ingredients. You know, I'd be at home making lasagnas and putting this in, that in, you know, throwing stuff in, making the work, and no, simplify it. And it, you do get such a better product, like, if you look at Irish catering now, some of it is going backwards a little bit. In which way? With the staff shortages, just corners being cut. Cool. You know, mm-hmm. say your team is 10, 10 guys and you produce this much. When that team is cut down to five guys, you can't produce the same amount. Like So we're suffering a little bit in the industry. Like restaurants having to close. Like That's when you know there's a crisis. But... I think it will come back. I think the chefs are there. They just haven't gone back yet. Like, if you look during COVID, when I was looking for a job, I was like, there's nothing. 12 jobs for a chef in Dublin. But, like, before the pandemic, you wonder, there's a thousand jobs in yes. Dublin. You know, but I think it just needs to find its feet again, the industry. You know, it's still stumbling forwards, like, but when we get back on our feet, I think it'll be stronger. Do you think we, uh, this stage, we will come back, the chefs? I think they will come back. Like, if you look now, how many pop-up food trucks or, you know, small little cafes, how many cafes popped up during COVID? Hundreds. Yeah. There's nearly a cafe everywhere you turn where it used to be a pub everywhere you turn. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Like, little small online businesses, like, they're all popping up everywhere. Where they weren't there before COVID. That's where the chefs are gone. They're out doing their own thing, walking that way. Do you think they will fail and they will come back to the roots? I wouldn't say fail, I'd say as in business will dry up as people start spending their money differently again, going back out, socialising, you know, when that culture comes back, because that's the Irish culture, we go out, we socialise, we eat out, once that comes back we get busier and busier and that's when the chefs come back in. That's something I was even commenting, I think in the introduction I say like, 
if I, I keep saying that, like, if Brazilian could be describing another nationality, I would say Irish yeah. and vice versa. Uh, that's something I really like here in Ireland is the, um, this, you know, like, uh, it's welcome. Yeah. You know, like, you're not like, who are you? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, okay, come here, let's have a pint. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's good in that way. Do you think those positions would be filled by foreigners or the people actually were in the in the trade and they just look and say, you know what, I would do what I used to do? I would say foreign people because like I'm in the kitchen 11 years. How many young commies have I seen that are Irish? Maybe five. Yeah. In 11 And they're half broken. Yeah. They <laughs> go to college, they drop out of college and they're yeah. gone on something else, apprenticeship, you know? Yeah. It's not, people don't have the interest people have the interest in eating they don't have the interest in going into the cooking industry as such you know you think it's too tough the industry I don't think it's too tough like like when you're a kid it would have been so much easier me 16 years of age to become a lounge boy in a pub making me tips you know booking your night saving your drinks mm -hmm. going home no responsibility no pressure like you know what have I got to do remember the last order that's it yeah you know but then when you go into a kitchen, like, there's no baby in, in a kitchen. Like, you know, you have to be mature. You have to hold your own. Yeah, you don't have sh uh, you don't have a, a, a curtain corners. No. You need delivery. If you don't deliver, then somebody will not yeah. eat. Like, you're put on that section. If that section is enough, you're letting the whole kitchen down. You know, the man, like, the waitress is giving out to the head chef. The head chef's giving out to the waitress. The manager's involved, you know. It just mm. all boils back down to you not having your section right, like, you know. Where what happens and what's the worst can go wrong in one of the easier jobs, you know, working in a shop or doing something. Do you think uh, now at the stage we are, uh, we are in another boom, I would yeah. say. And that two, uh, Celtic Tiger 2.0, you think we are raising uh, soft kids again? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's getting very easy. That's like, good for our... Celtic Tiger child. Yeah. Yeah, but... Wasn't really soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that. You're you're in the industry, yeah. but like you think, it's good for us yeah. in the industry because they we want to spend their money when they go whatever they go. Yeah. But uh, in the long run, for the culinary world or for the Irish culinary, how you see uh, you you see evolving or just uh, 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 how can I say? Um, going in the direction of the uh, fusion or confusion in yeah. the sense of like okay I like cheaper uh, the fish and chips uh, everyone thinks that Irish or British or islands yeah. uh, uh, all linked together linked yeah. together but actually is Italian yeah you know like uh, actually the Italians took over that and in start I need to actually check the history of fish and chips but like it's common in in ireland being owned by italians yeah uh, so is i think the fish and chip day national fish and chip day is actually only run by the italian takeaways and stuff like that in ireland yeah so uh you think it would be something like that or you I you think, think we we'll involve be, i think there has to be another influx i can see it going towards like you know the last time you had the indians the chinese they kind of took over and you see yeah. restaurants are everywhere I think now it'll be kind of Polish cuisine and stuff become a thing like you know Ukraine yeah they're coming out uh, yeah like how many Brazilian restaurants is there in Dublin 
Mm. Oh yeah, there's two, as far as I know, very good. One of them uh, is barbecue. The other one uh, is basically a bakery. Yeah. It's really nice. They brought the oven from Brazil to here. I went to their bakery a couple of, uh, over a year ago. And when I went there, I saw the oven and like, oh, in Portuguese, the the things on the side, the stickers. So, what the fuck? And I said, we, yeah, we imported that. Yeah. And I said, you could buy a Russian or do the same. <laughs> no, 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 no. This one's from Brazil. I said, you could buy a Russian or do the same. <laughs> no, 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 no. That make the real deal. I said, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> but like, they spend the money to buy that. And nevertheless, my, my, my point here is, I, I, yeah, probably we'll go in that sense of like... Different directions of cuisine. Yes. And like I had a, a, a talk with a friend of ours. Uh, we, we came over, we drinking, eating barbecue, and then we sit up by the table and we start to talk about food there from Croatia and start to say about like appropriation. Because like uh, if you go to your... Uh, what's called the Indian dish, uh, not tikka masala. No, no, karma is the. Oh God, Carolina, my wife, uh, was the not tikka masala. Was uh, one of the Indian okay. dishes. You look and said, "Oh, that's Indian," but it's not. It's actually British. Is it tikka masala? It is tikka masala. It's not tikka. I, th- I think it is tikka masala. I, I I don't recall now. Chef Google. <laughs> Chef Google. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I I'll put probably a note. Yeah. I remember because I asked my wife uh, exactly. That's the dish. So now, uh, like she uh, she was saying, oh no, that's Br- uh, that's not British. That's Indian. So if you go to India, they will not know what's that. Yeah. That's not a real Indian. And basically, she was. Uh, we started arguing between brackets. Uh, that was uh, uh, basically uh, appropriation of culture. Yeah, it's, it's a not a pro- uh, And then I went down the route of five hundred years ago, almost. Um, pizza is Italian. Is <laughs> appropriation? Yeah, because the Italians were in famine. So they brought from Middle East the dough, and they eat just the dough with their uh, local ingredients, olive oil on top or whatever they found and put... No, no. And then tomatoes come a few hundred years after. Why? Tomatoes is original from Americas. So the tomato came after, and then like, as we spoke earlier, uh, earlier, uh, the tomatoes grow like, like, like mad. Like wild, yeah. Yeah, so they start to go bad what you do you do sauces and then the way they did like the tomato paste is italian it's basically your tomato sauce leave it under the sun dry it out out until it become a paste because you it's too much tomatoes yeah so they start to spread that on the top of the pizza and then the cheese just come after yeah and then you got your pizza and then you look i said it is italian yeah no it's the same with pasta like I'm Italian uh, half Italian but I will tell you pasta is pasta noodles is noodles I hate when somebody calls pasta noodles I literally want to murder someone yeah but uh, unfortunately I have to say pasta is not Italian it's a hybrid or evolution of noodles oh really yeah it came from India 
uh, India came from China. Sorry, India don't have pastas, <laughs> so came from China, and they adapt for their uh, what they have in their environment, and then they make what they make. So that that's my point. Like Irish cuisine, we involve, maybe no. Yeah. What do you think? I can see it involving in completely different directions. It's in like if you've seen like food trucks. Yeah. Five six years ago, unless you're at a concert or something, is there a food truck in Ireland? No, Mm-mm. not a specific speciality food truck doing no. one cuisine. Nothing. They're coming popular now. What else is a bar? Like right, we had a bit of a burger boom there for the last few years. Thank oh God yeah, that's died down now. But, you know, I think they kind of jump on a trend and it opens up everywhere. Like you know, I think that's the kind of Irish thing can't get enough of it, and then it dies down, and the next cuisine comes on. Donuts went popular. <laughs> but that that oh yeah, like even like Intala, the one they opened yeah. the the what was their name? Uh, Intala. Town, uh, uh, Krispy Kreme. Oh yeah, yeah, the 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 queue with cars going around the plo- block. Close oh. it because yeah. too much noise with the cars. Like. Yeah, so like uh, the, the, I know that down uh, died down. Like example, the 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 burritos, the burgers. But what's get into the day, DNA? Do you think something we we involve some, in your cuisine? Something has to because a lot of Irish food, fish, we're famous for it, we're known for it, smoked salmon, yeah. prawns, mussels. They're all getting more and more expensive now. <laughs> yes. You got to hope you're like, oh, I'll ring the bank and see can I get a loan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so expensive. So something has to replace that. Like if you look, we have Ash Wednesday, fish on a Friday. Like we do eat a lot of fish. Yeah, yeah. But something has to replace that because that's going up and up and up. So you can see cheaper cuts coming back in. Like when I started, beef cheek is a popular cut now. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Mm. But in Ireland, 10 years ago, that wasn't a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so something has to change. Which way it's changing, I don't know. Whichever the clever chef that jumps on a forest is. Yeah, that's where you come from. <laughs> you can do that. I can't. Yeah. Like, it's the same with, uh, uh, like, you're saying about that. Like, in the 90s, they brought Brazilians yeah. to do the uh, cuts and teach the, the butchers in Ireland how to do proper butchering. And not proper, but, like, a more modern yeah. uh, way, techniques. Uh, techniques. Uh, when I was in Gori, uh, the owners of the hotel I worked, uh, they have a farm. And they raise black Angus to export only. And then I remember I called the I had to call the slaughterhouse and said, look, get five animals and slaughter for us for the next week. And they would send, we would mature in our south wall. But we need to uh, use all the animal. And then we have the how's it called now? Uh, lots of cuts, but like there is one of them we call Fraudinha. Uh, I forgot the name in French now. That's the name they normally uh, say in Portuguese, in, in Ireland, or in English, uh, in Irish, in English, sorry. So uh, uh, I use that to get uh, to use in the menu because they didn't know what to do. Or the, sa- the same was with the strip line. The end of the strip line, you have the point, and the point is the picanha. Yeah. And uh, they were selling all that as a strip line. I said, look, that the end of the, the, the cut there is about 1.2 to 1.8 kilos per animal. Normally it's a 1.2 to 1.5. You can charge double because softer uh, than any other part. It's almost like a flamingo. And I was there with the butcher. The butcher said, oh, it's here. I said, oh, wait. 
<laughs> uh, where is the third vein? Because you can see the vein, there's like you can see like a mark of blood in the vein coming out from the tip to the top, and then you have three veins. When come the third vein, you cut. That's picanha. What butchers normally do, especially in Brazil, they go a little bit over the third one, getting the strip loin was already tough, and cut to sell you for more wings yeah. and charge you more. <laughs> they smart, yeah? yeah. So if you do not cut where is the third vein exactly that part, the rest of your picanha will get tougher. So now you start to see it, and that was 20 years, no, 90s. Yeah, uh, almost 30 years now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 30 years to observe in the Irish culture and now becoming something new do you think what's next will be like now with the, the like when you grew up in the 2000s what's in your environment and your palace and your memory uh, Gustav, gustative memory yeah. So what the, do I think? So? Yeah. What will be the next trend, in your opinion? Well, I think we're in and now vegan food. If you ask an Irish person. Oh yeah, that's in the trend. Yes, thing yes. Had was their porridge for their breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Even that probably had milk in it, like. But like, that's the next trend. Like, if you look now, some of the stuffs coming out. Like, I'm seeing it in, in work coming in daily. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like yo, how are you making that? Like yo, it's. Well, I think a lot more of it is going sciency. Like yo, we have organic, but I think some of it now is coming sciency, organic, lab made. Like you know. Lab made, yes, <laughs> yes. That's what I like call it. the vegan, I have to say, uh, people are not putting much effort to to cook vegan. Vegan, like a uh, few times I went to a restaurant there. Uh, where are you cooking? And like uh, I look at some. Okay, here at home. We are a vegan household here. Yeah. So at home, we try to eat, we try, 99% of the time we eat vegan. And we involve that. That's kind of my fault. About five, six, five, six years ago, I want to go uh, more a Japanese style of uh, food where the meat is just like um, to... A treat, yeah. Not actually part of your dish. Like it's not like thirty percent of your dish. It's like about five percent. And then um, we had just about like three or three or four times a week maximum animal protein. And then I start to study a little bit more about vegan. My wife, of course, as being a brain of the house, let's say like that. Uh, she's she went deep uh, into the vegan more than I did mm -hmm. and then she, she started to see the pros and cons uh, a good example I used to drink about 8 double espressos a day that was me yeah? yeah from morning to the evening like morning I walk in the restaurant the guys had the cornetto uh, the croissant cooking yeah fresh croissant and double espresso man mm. sorry salivate sorry <laughs> So it's amazing that I used to get that and drink like express like crazy, yeah. And we start to do the vegan diet and we start to do juicing, all that healthy shit, you know, like a, let's say shit, but it's not. <laughs> and I start to have a green juice every single day in the morning. I'll tell you something. I stopped to drink coffee because I couldn't sleep. It was like too much energy. And just juicing in the morning was a pint of green juice. That's it. 
and then go to work. And then it was like jumping like if I had like 10 Red Bulls, man, <laughs> until 10 p.m. Like from 6 in the morning until like 10 p.m., I was there. Yeah! If I had a coffee, I, I know I wouldn't make make more than two or three hours sleep. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Vegan is something new, but like the it's, technique, it's, people are not putting much on that. No, and there's still an uneducation to chefs and that. Like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So I think kind mm. of the new... You think so? I think so. No, like, you know, some of the old Irish chefs that are set in the ways, like curries, they're probably new to them. Like you Yeah, know? yeah. Where I think it's the next brand of chefs that will come through in the next five, six years. That's when you see the push come. Like, you know, the trend's kind of set now and then the bar gets raised later on. That's yeah. the way it's kind of gone. So I think that's in the boom now, but I think after it just the bar just keeps getting higher and higher to it comes a stage where it doesn't matter if you're a meat eater eating a vegan dish, you're eating it because it's nice, not because it's vegan. Do you think the vegan will become the new vegetarian? I think so, yeah. Or you think the vegan will go further? No, I think like I think you walk into a restaurant and order a dish. If it's vegan, it doesn't matter, like, you know, because I think we'll get to the stage where it's just as good as, say, your meat-eater's dish. What's your favorite vegan dish? Oh, you're putting me under pressure now. Don't oh, you? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you here for? Uh, falafels would be my favorite. Falafels? Yeah, falafels. Um, what kind? Um, I love sweet potato, so sweet yeah. potato, lots of cumin, garlic, chili. That's kind of me. I'm kind of plain, like I haven't dabbled much in vegan cooking. Have you been you uh, umi? No, I haven't. <gasps> no. Oh man, you don't know what you're yeah. lost, uh, losing. That oh, so good, so good. There is something like there are a few techniques you start to use. There's another place you can go and, and I tell you, uh, change your uh, perspective of what vegan is. Uh, called the vegan butchers. I'll tell you is mind-blowing I'm not the kind of chef or uh, a customer I'll be sitting in somebody's restaurant the food is good okay the good is the food is bad I, I don't send back it's very rarely I would send back yeah. uh, like probably it happened twice you're probably like me though you know what you're getting on a menu before you even arrive at the restaurant That's yes me. I'm looking at a week uh, before <laughs> yeah so sometimes I just go like uh, normally we just have like round trips and then we said okay let's eat here and I uh, like 99% of the time if I choose it would be shit yeah. like doesn't matter what like, they will send like send me a burger you know, like, yeah. how you can fucked up? They were fucked up. Yeah. And, like, normally my wife normally says, okay, what I can eat here? And she she picks for me and then normally comes, okay, if I pick myself, is just like, oh, man, really? <laughs> and, like, when, when you go to vegan butchers, like, man, I swear to God, you go there, you eat their food, you, you just blow your mind. And... That that's the the part I talk to a lot with my wife. Like she's a foodie, uh, and normally when we go to the places, if the food is not good, she would just uh, like I just say no, no, leave. I eat. I, I'm not the kind of chef who say that's not good. The salt yeah. is not good. Whatever. I keep that to myself. But like, uh, yeah, I slash them. something, my girlfriend's be like, "Oh, you're always the same." You're yeah. <laughs> my wife would just say like, "Oh, uh, we 
you're not washing the dishes <laughs> you're not you didn't have to cook so be happy <laughs> yeah uh, but like majority of the time when I eat there I will not complain but like, I will tell you something about vegan butchers uh, I used to work in fine dining so you get the carrot you clean the baby carrot you need yeah. to clean the rim on top with the stem if you keep the stem you need to clean that part yeah. 90% of the time is 90 95% of the time you go anywhere they don't clean that part you know as a yeah. hospitality chef you know that you need to go the extra mile wow. and I remember I got the dish all the dishes and every single meal was amazing one of them had the baby carrots and was clean and I said okay yes yeah. they pay attention for the minimum detail and like probably I send my compliments to the chefs just like two or three times my entire life I'll tell you entire life yeah. as a chef and them were uh, they were one of them it's worth worth the trip I'll tell you like lunchtime they have like nice menus I had like the last time I went there I had a kebab kebab you know yeah. what can be wrong with a kebab how many pints before <laughs> no pints no pints <laughs> I went there and a kebab vegan kebab vegan lung kebab man is good is good like uh, that that's the part I look I say yes that's the way to go you know uh, I think uh, yeah uh, the, the vegan is something will be the next next step and do you think you you would improve the vegan food for the uh, for the Irish people I think you have to you know, if you're a chef and you're not willing to progress with what the people want, we cook for the customers. If you're not cooking what the customer wants, you're getting stale, you know that way? I think. Yeah. We, if we like something or not, we have to cook it and we have to make it as nice as you can. You know, like I had a chef a few weeks ago who doesn't like fish. I was like, yeah, but try the fish. Is it seasoned? Is it nice? Like, I don't like fish. It doesn't matter. You know what the taste is? Like, I knew a chef that was allergic to shellfish, but would still taste a shellfish dish. Like, you know, he would take allergy tablets or whatever after. Yeah, yeah. But he still had to know what that dish tastes like and made sure it was perfect before it left the kitchen. Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, I think as chefs, it's not what we like, it's what the customers want. Yes. Unless you're in the very small group who can cook what they like. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> as you know, like, I'm allergic to chilies. Yeah. And uh, don't stop me to go and try. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes I will not be breathing, but it's fine, you know, like just kick me a little. Probably I start to breathe again. Uh, like, like uh, w w one of the things I used to say a lot when I came to Ireland, people try to say, Irish, uh, like, there are those people who say, oh, Irish food's amazing, everything's good. You know, it's the same with Brazilians. They come here and they start complaining about everything around the world and say, whatever you do in Brazil is better than here. Yeah. And, any nationality is the same and I love to get the Irish people saying about the the way we cook potatoes here I have to say boxed potatoes here is really nice I agree uh, but I go and say okay France in thousand years what they did with potato Lyonnaise and go and go and go like the least get along in my arm I will not go and start to say an hour, we stay here another hour. And then they can say, okay, uh, what the Irish did in a thousand years with potatoes? Oh, boil, fried, mashed, 
when you butter and cream and milk <laughs> is as good as Ireland, don't need to go any further than that. Like, <laughs> I agree. The dairy, that's something you 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 went to a very good point now. I went to France about a few years ago, uh, like uh, four years ago at this stage. I need to go again, probably in November I will be going again there. And I went there, I went to a farmer's market. And I hate the freaking custom in, in France because they took all my dairy products and food, everything, because I couldn't dispatch. I didn't get a bag to dispatch. Very silly me. I think they just throw in the bean, took it back, and they brought it home. <laughs> anyway, I got there. I saw cheeses made from Ireland. I never saw here before. Like, they had the Guinness cheese. Yeah, we don't eat that here in Ireland. Yeah. But, like, you have that in France. Yeah. And, like, uh, so many products you have here in Ireland, actually, you produce in Ireland and you don't eat here. I think it's something like 80% of our beef is exported. From oh, yeah, yeah, a lot. The good beef goes away. Right. It's the same, like, when I came to Ireland and I saw grapes, green and red grapes, beautiful, tasty, juicy. Where do you come from? Oh, Brazil. I start to check northeast. Northeast in Brazil is like Morocco's. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. And normally uh, grapes in Brazil is uh, um, in Brazil we th think our grapes come from south because cooler weather. But normally the good ones come from northeast and go straight to Europe, and they charge a massive price. Here is not expensive compared with Brazil. You in Brazil you get like a second class grapes for the same or higher price at least in Sao Paulo and I, I got like I, I just like oh fuck this I go and eat Brazilian products in, Bra in Ireland would be better <laughs> yeah. you know more or less like that why we don't have that culture in Ireland like the dairy in Ireland I think is the best in the world yeah probably the richest oh yeah oh the butter oh my god man yeah. I, I did a video uh, I used to do uh, YouTube videos, yeah, but in Portuguese, and I did it myself, uh, the, the butter, with harsh uh, milk, of course. Uh, oh, man. And I actually only watched the video before I came over here, and there was a woman showing me how to make Irish butter, like, you know, from the double cream and wash it. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's me at home. I go in and I'm like, next video, next video, scroll through TikTok, Facebook, the lot. <laughs> Like sometimes I don't understand. Like I used to do that a lot in in RCSI. Uh, I used to always order cream uh, because we have a whipped cream for scones, whatever. But sometimes you don't have scones, you know, like to have your whipped yeah. cream in the morning, and they want like mini pastries, whatever. So the guy said, "Oh, we expire in three days." I said, oh, uh, 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 uh. "Put some salt on that. Throw in the machine there in the uh, in the mixer and leave there." You know, in some stage, you're going to have butter. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Why we we don't do that? We don't go back that route? Like, uh, yeah. like, do you think stuff like that to when you do your events to to use your own butter to say, look, oh, I made my own butter here. You're that's a man. What makes hospitality hospitality is further details, smaller margins. Like, when people are hospitality, you have to make them feel important and stuff like that. Yeah. That's what the role is about. They're not just the food is part of whoever the host is experience like you have to bring them on and you're part of the show like type thing so like when you're doing the Aviva like you could have a chef's table and you're carving 
beef table side and stuff like that you know it's all part of the theater the day it's the make it the baba boom or whatever you know that way it's the next level of catering like it's not just the food left the kitchen in behind they want the extra mile so making your own butters jams chutneys all that type of stuff that's hospitality to me it's not what you can buy in off the shelf it's what you can do so you think like hospitality is better than a la carte Even if you had a, the head chef in a, a la carte restaurant. I think it depends who you're doing hospitality for. Like, it's as good as you're willing to pay. You know, if you're going to pay this much, you're going to get that much. If you're going to take the shackles off and prices matter, like some of the places you've worked, it's as high as the clothes. Like, that's how high you can go, what you do, you know, how much time do you have. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things they went for uh, vegan at home was... Uh, Actually, said the majority of the people there were uh, Muslim, and you get a lot of uh, crowd. Uh, we want to have um, vegetarian or something like that. So when they go for vegetarian in Europe by European law, all the cheese you produce will have. Um, pr uh, correct me if I'm pronouncing wrong. Wrong, Hanet. In the cheese, honey, yeah, whatever. Probably I was They're saying. Probably, yeah, yeah. Go, go, Google, yeah, Google say. So uh, basically, it's an animal product to uh, process the cheese. Uh, it's not halal. So uh, what I had to go, I had to go to one of the finest shop in Ireland to buy cheeses made. Um, Uh, the, the the way they make in the past 500 years you know the dock yeah. or the denomination or um, dock denomination ah whatever <laughs> can't pronounce now so is the the way you process the things like uh, uh, we not have so i had to go and buy the those products long story short i start to learn more about vegan that way and i had like a king or whatever it is yeah no no it's a king i don't know from where came over he he's vegetarian no halal and he eats every three hours he stayed with us for 72 hours and every three hours you need to make food he was from 8 in the morning to 8 p.m And long story short, I knew the guy was there like about two months before. I called my veg producer and said, oh, can you make like baby carrots or whatever, rainbow baby carrots. I started to make a massive list. A few days before the guy arrived, the menu was what signed, tastings, etc. Hospitality, like yeah. you do. And they came and said, oh, you know what? The guy loves fruit. And all the desserts need to be fruity. And I said, fork. <laughs> and then I had to go after and start to learn other more stuff. And I have to say, like, the vegan food, and that, for me, was that, that was the kick up and start to learn more. And I start to see the, the world in a different way, how I can, like, the same way you come and, come to me and say oh why vegans want to have like something similar as we eat or yeah. taste the taste is not wrong the taste is good 
But um, I saw in a vegan group, uh, because I follow vegan groups, of course, uh, being a chef, you need to follow everything. I don't tell them I, I eat meat, but okay. Uh, they say, uh, if you try to tell a vegan to eat a chicken wings, they get like, oh, why you give me a chicken wings? Yeah? yeah, it's the same if I go to you and said, okay, here I'm giving you a cauliflower wings. Wing. And yeah. then you look as a, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, you give me a cauliflower wing. It's the same. It's the same. That's how they feel. And um, my mind is how you can reproduce that feeling or that taste. The taste is not wrong. The problem is the uh, the way we produce the things, the way we do, and um, the, the sustainability to keep the things growing. Because, like, man, in some state, we're going to kill everything in the planet. Yeah. We're like a worse than a virus. We're going to yeah. kill everything before we actually. We, we get fed. And uh, yeah, I think that's the next stage. As you said, like the vegan food is the next stage. Like it's there, but it has to improve now. Like what do you think it should improve? I think some of the products that we buy in, like texture, quality, taste. Like So if, if they're going to be like, you know, say a vegan sausage, we use that yeah. today. You taste it. It's not like a normal sausage, you know, it's soft, it's spongy, it's, you know, if it's going to be a sausage, it has to be a sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, today I just went to a rest, uh, a food truck. They were quite decent. Quite decent. Like the texture, flavor, yeah, it's not porky, but the yeah. texture was almost there. Yeah. You think they will be further? I think so. I think it's going to be part of the diet you know like 10 years ago people probably would have been eating vegetarian now they are how many times a week you eat no meat in your no home meat. sometimes to be honest if we're going to eat vegetarian it's going to be Asian or Italian you know that way there's yeah. no kind of Irish dishes or anything like that that you eat apart from foxy or stuff like that but like maybe once twice max that feels alright all right, and then that's good. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like back home, you wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't be a dinner or food if you do not have meat in the plate. Yeah, that's the way it is. I remember when I was a kid, like, I had a, like in Brazil they staple here is potatoes, yeah, it's rice and beans and something else. That's the base, and if you have meat. I remember my mom come and say, Ricardo, eat your beef. If, if whatever was the protein. But like now, with more knowledge and understanding, 100 grams of beans had more proteins and more benefits to your body than 100 grams of beef. Of beef. Way more. Yeah. Way more. Like a, out of the charts. And then look, I said, Mom, now I look at her, mom, you're so wrong. <laughs> yeah. But with the information she had, like beef is that, what is going to make you like stronger or whatever, you know what I mean? And then they said, okay, you know. Yeah, it's, see, but that's something everyone's only learning now. Like as the vegan comes along, they have to get the protein, the fibers, everything. That's, we're all only learning as it's going, like, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Like you look at an Irish breakfast, there's beans on it. But it's around by 70% of meat. Like, yes! Like the meats. Oh my God. It's meat, 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 meat. Potato. Fried <laughs> potato. And 
beans beans <laughs> yeah like I, when i saw the first time here beans people saying i went to the shop to buy beans and in tomato sauce i said what the fuck you guys did you know beans in the tomato sauce yeah but like, it is what it is yeah anyway I think we finished our drinks. Yeah. The the screen already went black. That went away. Yeah, yeah. Just leave there. <laughs> anyway, Gary, was lovely to have you here today. Thank you. Uh, hope the bottle was a little bit bigger, but uh, it's fine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. And I keep forgetting what I normally say in the end. <laughs> yeah. And thank you to follow podcast and yeah subscribe share do whatever you want guys thank you